very interesting passage of scripture. I know that many of you are familiar with this scripture, so I'm not going to take too long in going through the backdrop. I just want to take a few moments and just take a quick look at this um, message here today in the gospel according to Luke chapter 17. Now understand the Bible says Jesus was making his way in the um, midst of Samaria and Galilee, making his way to Jerusalem, right? And it says as he's making his way to Jerusalem, he is not yet there yet. He is making his way there. He's at the border. And as Luke writes it, the way he talks about traveling through the midst of Samaria, the midst of Galilee, um, and, and, and making his way um, to Jerusalem, what Luke is getting at is the fact that Jesus is actually walking along the border. He is actually tracking the border um, and making his last, if you will, journey to the city of Jerusalem. The idea is he's going to stop off and have the last Passover. The idea is that he'll be actually making his way to the cross. And so as he's passing through these cities and going through the border um, of these cities, he's, he's making his way um, in places where Many individuals will say to themselves, oh, why are you going this way? There's another way to go. There's a, there's a straight shot, if you will, to get into Jerusalem. But Jesus is actually making his way very intentional about the manner and, and the direction by which he's going on this journey. And we'll soon find out why. The Bible says he makes his way and he's outside of Jerusalem. He's making his way through that border. Um, and the Bible says there are 10 lepers. And these 10 lepers, they spot Jesus, the Bible says, and they stay a far way off. Stick with me here, right? It says they stay a far way off. They spot Jesus. And they spot Jesus. They're a far way off. And they cry out, Master, have mercy on us. Now, understand what's happening. You have 10 lepers. And understanding the um, issue with leprosy, these lepers are not allowed to be in the midst of anyone else. They cannot be in the city. They cannot be with their families. They are outcasts from the villages that they live in. They cannot go back to their jobs. They cannot go back to their place of, of, of um, academic learning. Anything of that nature, they have to stay outside the cities from where they come from. Now, what's interesting is there is no record as to which one of these lepers, how many of them actually gathered in the beginning. All we know for a fact is by the time Jesus is making his way through the borders and um, the bordering um, villages of Galilee and, and there is Samaria, making his way to Jerusalem, by the time Jesus does that, there's 10 of them total. Stick with me. We don't know how many of them first arrived. We don't know if there were um, three that came together and then another three came on, another three and the last one. We don't know if it was five and five. We don't know if it was just one by one by one. But somehow, some way, they were all declared to have leprosy, which in other words, in these times, in the Bible times, it means to be unclean. It means that you need to be cleansed. You, you, There's something going on in your skin. You can actually see it. This particular um, loathsome disease, you could actually see the skin decaying and rotting in some instances. You'll see a sore in other instances. Um, body parts can begin to drop off in other instances. So literally, it's a disease that is extremely contagious. And so once, once it's determined that you actually are infected with leprosy, they require that you leave the city. Get out, be gone, get away from everyone else until it's decided that you are actually clean and you have been healed from it. And you get a declaration from the priest. You bring an offering and they'll clear, give you a clearance and a little um, note, a little doctor's note from the priest, if you will, and you can get back to your city. But stick with me on this, right? Somewhere along the line, 10 individuals meet up and, and some scholars believe that they probably set up a little makeshift tut, um, hut, if you will. And, and they, this temporary hut where they all were kind of living outside of the city gates, outside and far away from everyone else. And they had to kind of live amongst each other because guess what? They all had leprosy. So no one of them could make the other one more sick because the fact that they were already infected, 
they could all live together and be there because they were all in the same sick state. There's another issue with leprosy, however. The other issue is with leprosy, oftentimes if people who found themselves who were sick and infected with leprosy, it was determined that you have committed some type of sin. You have done something and God has punished you and that's why the sickness has fallen upon you. Bible says Jesus is now journeying through the borders of Samaria and Galilee, making his way to Jerusalem. Again, making his way for that final trip. Some believe it corresponds with his trip um, in John chapter 11. And so recognize that as he's making his trip, there are many who are angry with Jesus. And so he's kind of laying low. And as he's laying low, he makes it through these um, bordering cities. But he's not laying low because he's scared of anyone. The Bible lets us know Jesus is very intentional about what he is doing, how he is doing it, and who he is doing it with. And now he shows up. Bible says as he shows up, he hears them calling him. They call him master. Have mercy on us. Please have mercy. The Bible says they were very respectful. They kept their distance. They knew they were infected. They knew their state. They knew they were sick. They knew they were contagious. And so they kept their distance or maintained a distance away from Jesus. But what they did was they said, look, they cried out and said, have mercy on us. And the Bible says when he heard them, he looks upon them doesn't go close to them. They don't get close to him, but he cries out and lets them know. He says, look, you're crying out to me saying, have mercy. He turns to them and says, go show yourselves to the priests. This is powerful. Watch what's happening. These individuals are outcasts. They are not allowed back into the cities. They are outside of the border. They are staying outside the cities. They cannot go back into their villages. They cannot go back into anywhere where they used to live. The only thing they have now been commissioned and commanded to do by the word of God, by Jesus himself, is go show yourselves to the priests. Understand what's happening. The priests are in Jerusalem. Yes. Jesus says, I need you to take the trip to Jerusalem and show yourselves to the priest. Now, understand, they have already contemplated this trip. In their heart of hearts, they have long desired a day where they could be healed so they can go show themselves to the priest. He can give them a clean bill of health. They can offer the sacrifice and return to their normal lives. They have been desirous of this. They have been longing for this. The other thing we find in scripture, there is nowhere that gives us any indication how long they've been sick. We don't know if they've been hanging out there for a month or two months. We don't know if it's been two or three years. We have no idea how long they've been there. But what we do know is 10 of them have now assembled and they're all crying out in unison. It's almost as though they have a little praise team going on and not one, not two, not three or four, but all 10 are crying out, Master, have mercy on us. And the Bible lets us know Jesus hears it and he tells them, I am having mercy and I'm telling you on the authority of heaven, on the authority of the one who said, let there be, and it was by the authority of the one who told the oceans, come this far and not any further on the authority of the one who told land masses to rise up on the authority of the one who put leaves on trees by the authority of the one who put skin on your bones by the authority of the one who causes breath to go into your lungs as a matter of fact by the authority of the one who calls the very breath you're breathing right now when you said master have mercy on us I'm telling you on that authority go show yourselves to the priests 
Bible says they make their way to Jerusalem. They haven't gotten there yet, though. They're, they're, they're still journeying. Bible says while they're journeying, no one thought to ask Jesus, where are you headed? Recognize the Bible lets us know in the opening verse, it says that he was going to Jerusalem through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He's traveling along the border according to the gospel of Luke and he's making his way into Jerusalem. It would have been prudent. It would have made sense to say, Jesus, where are you going, master? Because if you're heading into Jerusalem, can I hitch a ride with you? Can I walk with you? Can I talk with you? Can you tell me some things along the way? Can you cause our hearts to burn as you will in the 24th chapter of Luke with the two disciples on the way to a man? Can you, can you just spend some time with us as we make our way to Jerusalem? Talk with us a little bit. Where are you coming from, Jesus? Anything I can do for you along the way? No, 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 no. They don't ask him where he's going. Bible says they start making their way. Now understand, there's an element of faith here, and, and, and many scholars will say that there was a there was a piece that they had to play, a part they had to play in this in this scheme of healing. They had to follow the direction, direction, and the directives of God. We could learn a lot from that. Many times in our lives, God tells us what to do and how to do it. But we're sometimes hesitant. We kind of sometimes hold back. But they, he told them, go show yourselves to the priest. How many of us have been told what we ought to do? And yet we resist the very Holy Spirit that tells us to do it. The Bible says they're making their way. So now they're being obedient to the word of God. I'm simply suggesting it would have been, it would have been cool. It would have been good. It would have been all right just to say, Jesus, where you're headed? Now, are you going to Jerusalem too? Maybe we can go to Jerusalem together. And it would have been somewhat smart to do that. I said earlier, it would have been prudent. Why? Because if anyone asks you, what are you doing in here? You have leprosy. You could have said, well, he told me to. You could point him right out right away. Unfortunately, they don't do that. Bible says they start making their way. And as they're making their way, ooh, here's where the glory part starts up now. The Bible says as they're making their way, they look at themselves and realize they are healed. Can you imagine looking at your skin? An oil of Olay. All of the type of, uh, of collagen creams and, and, and all of the, 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 the Botox parties could not get your skin back to how it was as they were walking away in the command of Jesus heading into Jerusalem. They noticed that their skin, their bodies, air is cleansed, that they feel the healing going on. They feel different on the inside. They're able to look at one another. They know each other. They spent time together. They know they had leprosy, but now they look different. And as they see this, the Bible says they begin to look and they continue making their way into Jerusalem. As they're making their way in, one of the lepers, one of the 10, can't call him a leper anymore. He has been healed. He has been cleansed. Recognize as he's making his way, he looks at himself. He realizes this is not who I used to be. I'm a new me. Ah, can I say it again? I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new me. And as he sees the new him, the Bible says he stops, drops, and rolls on back to Jesus. And he stops and drops and rolls back to Jesus. The Bible says he falls at his feet. 
And he begins to glorify him. Glorify him. Thank you, Jesus. Understand what has happened. He has asked for mercy. They all did. Bible says they all cried out, Master, have mercy on us. They're asking for mercy. And in that moment, the Bible says as he realizes he has been healed, he turns around, he gets down, and he begins to praise. Bible says he gave glory to God. He's glorifying Jesus, and as he's glorifying Jesus, in that moment, in that exact moment, Jesus is not saying, no, 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 it's okay, don't worry, no, 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 go ahead, go, go to Jerusalem. He falls at his feet. He's no longer socially distancing. Ah! He falls at his feet. He's no longer in quarantine. Yes! He falls at his feet. He's no longer contagious. You don't hear me yet. He falls at his feet. He takes his new skin. And he puts his new skin at the feet of Jesus. He lays his new, untouched, uh, uh, baby smooth. I'm talking about like he drank honey from the first day he was born. And this came out into the, into the pores of his skin. He took that skin, that new given skin, that cleansed skin. What can wash me? He took that skin and he knelt down at the feet of Jesus, threw himself down. And he began to give glory and say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus doesn't stop him. He simply says to him in his response to his praise, in response to his glorying, in response to his thanksgiving, Jesus says, were there not 10? Where are the other nine? Oh, he's keeping count. The Bible says that he bottles up every single tear, that he counts every strand of head. Hair. Even if you have a bald head now, before you did that, he counted up the hair. He even counts up every single tear that drops from your eye and he puts it in a bottle. Surely he remembers your thank yous. He said, were there not ten? Where are the other nine? My God's doing that math. He the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, where are the other nine? I healed ten of you. He said, where are the other nine? And he says, only this stranger. Ah. Recognize what's happening. Can I just go back for a moment? Luke is documenting this event. Luke is documenting this miracle. Many will have you believe that Luke is documenting this miracle because Luke is a physician. And for him, he understands leprosy. And for him, it is such a mighty miracle that as he's documenting it, he's just showing the power and the awesomeness of God and how the Lord can heal from nothing to something, how the Lord can take a mess and make it whole again. 
They're believing that Luke is preaching from his um, medical background. They're believing that Luke is preaching from an academic or scholastic experience. But I'm here to tell you, Luke is preaching and Luke is documenting from a personal experience. What do you mean? Understand, Luke is not a disciple. Luke is documenting as an individual who is not even Jewish. Luke is a Greek or a Gentile, and yet Luke is now documenting about a non-Jewish individual who has come back to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is now making mention of the fact that did not heal 10 of you. And only this one has come back, and he is a stranger. Mm. Luke gets it. In other words, he's not one of the members of the tribe of Israel. He's not one of the, the Jewish nation. He's not one of, of the seed, allegedly, of Abraham. This one is a stranger, a Samaritan Luke. See, understand what Luke does. Luke says, Jesus says, isn't even this stranger the only one who comes back? And then Luke documents, for he was a Samaritan. Mm. Luke is recognizing and acknowledging the fact that there are some distinctions along racial and ethnic groups. He's recognizing that sometimes there are certain groups of individuals that are treated differently based upon where they are born and where they, are, where they come from, based upon what they look like and based upon how they speak. Luke is saying, this man, yes, Jesus calls him a stranger because he was a Samaritan. Luke is not writing from an academic or, 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 or a medical journal um, standpoint. No, 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 no. Luke is writing from a personal standpoint that the God of the Jews is the God of the Gentiles. That the God who healed the ten, he did not distinguish Jew from Gentile. He healed all ten of them. But only this stranger came back to give thanks. Jesus says, stand up. Arise. Your faith has made you whole. Go your way. You got to get that. You got to get that. Woo, got to get that. I, 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 I'm just going to say this real quick. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. He sent all 10 to Jerusalem. They were supposed to go see the priest. They were supposed to get clearance from the priest that they are fully healed and, and, and they're clear from COVID. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, um, leprosy. They were supposed to get a clean bill of health and get a little card or something that shows that they are all clear from, from leprosy. This individual, rather than running into Jerusalem to get that priest who I believe, can I, can, I, can I go for it for a moment? I believe he knew exactly what type of treatment he would receive as a Samaritan if he went into Jerusalem to try and get clearance from that priest because it may have been that same priest who declared him unclean in the first place and there may be some history there and so there may be some psychological uh, um, trauma, some, some post-traumatic stress disorder that this Samaritan has already gone through and so when he was told to go into Jerusalem, why he was going to follow the command of Jesus he saw he was healed he came back to Jesus to say thank you and Jesus relieves him of the burden of getting man's approval he relieves him of the burden of going into Jerusalem and having a priest who doesn't even recognize the high priest he relieves him of that burden and says go your way you don't have to go into Jerusalem anymore 
don't have to get the priest to give you clearance. Go your way. I love it. He tells him to go his way. And he says, only this stranger, only this Samaritan has come back to give God glory. There's a serious problem in this miracle. There's a serious problem in this healing. There's a serious problem in this cleansing. They cried out for mercy. And when they received mercy, only one said, thank you for mercy. I was trying to reconcile and figure out what was going on here. And it occurred to me, have you ever seen individuals who will ask you for a favor and they'll say, please. And it seems as though they're being very, very genuine and sincere. Can I please have that? But if you study it for a moment, they oftentimes will say, please, or, or can I please have that? And it seems so sincere. But before you can even answer, they're actually reaching to take it out of your hand. You ever notice that? It's this sense of entitlement. I'm saying please, but I'm only doing it through formality. I'm asking for mercy, but I'm only doing it through formality. I believe I should have it because of who I am. Here we go. I believe as a child of Abraham, I believe as a Jew, I, I, I believe as a child of Israel that I should receive healing. Master, have mercy. In other words, Jesus, you ought to because of who I am. And so when they finally get the healing, when they finally get the cleansing, rather than go back and say thank you, it's looking at themselves and figuring this is how I should have been from the beginning. Let me go to the priest and get my clean bill of health so I can get back to my life. And instead of coming back and saying thank you, there's a sense of entire of what they should have and what they should have been given and what they should have never lost from the very beginning. And that is very common even today. But the stranger, the Samaritan, maybe not used to a whole lot, maybe, being, maybe used to being treated as a second-class citizen, he recognized that he was truly given mercy and he just went back to say thank you. I'll get to Jerusalem in a minute, but I need to tell you thank you, Jesus. I'll go see the priest in a moment, but I had to come back and tell you, thank you, Jesus. Recognizing that you must glorify God because a priest works for him anyway. Ah, the priest works for him anyway. The priest is working for Jesus anyway, or at least he's supposed to be. And so let me go back and see your boss. Let me see your higher upper. Let, I, I want to speak to the manager. Matter of fact, I want to speak to the owner. I, I want to speak to one who has some authority. So he comes back and says, thank you. He stops. He drops and he rolls up to the feet of Jesus. Thank you. There's another lesson here. Um, out of the 10, only one comes back. Only a 10th. Interesting. You see, that's what's required though, right? To return a tenth. But what about the offering? That's the most baffling and bewildering part. The tenth is supposed to be returned. It's, it, the, tenth, the tenth was supposed to return. It, it, the one-tenth of the ten lepers was supposed to return. But what about the offering? What about the Thanksgiving offering? The, as, as, as they said in, in Exodus, the free will offering. But Paul already said it, right? What every man should give, what he has already made up in his heart to give, not under compulsion, not begrudgingly. In other words, you shouldn't 
say thank you if you don't really mean it. You know what really bothered me? What really bothered me as I was reading through the scripture is the fact that they were going to have to bring an offering to the priests in Jerusalem anyway. But that's when you realize it's all formality. A lot of individuals, they'll return tithe and they'll return an offering. But it's formality. It's not because they want to give God glory and praise for his goodness toward them. At the end of the day, quite frankly, those gifts are not even acceptable. Now, preachers, they'll say something different and pastors, they'll beg you for it. Truth is, God doesn't want that. He wants your heart. I was um, traveling this week and my five-year-old asked a question that I never thought to ask. He said to me, he said, Daddy, where's the old York? It took me a little while to click and see what he was talking about. And to be honest with you, I didn't get it right away, but I didn't let him know I didn't get it right away. I just made it seem as though I got it right away because I didn't want to make it seem as though I'm just way off. He says, where's the old York? And I kind of sat there silent for a while while driving, like I was paying attention to traffic. And then I finally figured out what he was talking about. I said, oh, what happened was um, these individuals who were living in England, they wanted to escape an oppressive government. And so what they did was they, they left their country and they traveled across the water. These little, you know, Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria ships. And they made their way. And there was, a, there was a city, actually, a place in England that was actually founded by the Romans and it's called York. And when they came to this new land, that's still debatable, right? They arrived and they called this place New York. So there's not an old York. It's just a York in England. And they traveled over, grabbed this land that was already inhabited and called it New York. And it already had a name, I'm sure, too. And he said, oh. And as he asked that question and I thought about it some more, I realized something. We've had border issues for a long time. These 10 lepers had a common enemy, leprosy. And in that common ground, they spent time together. They knew each other. They lived together because they all had a common enemy of leprosy. That's what brought them together. But the moment they received healing, one group went, they wanted to go one came back and said thank you and Jesus says go your way don't have to go show yourself to a priest don't have to go through that whole rigmarole of having him declare you clean who the son sets free is free indeed and I'm just reminded by the apostle John who said he saw a vision and the vision of the new earth, there was no more sea. And I often thought about that no more sea. All of these land masses separated by sea. But in the new earth, no more separation, 
No more borders. No more sea. Just a new earth with our same God and all of his people, every kindred, every tongue, every race, every nationality, together as one. But the problem is this. If we can't even give an offering, if we can't even return an offering of praise, an offering of thanksgiving, if we just feel like we're entitled to what we have because we feel as though we belong here, we have some serious issues. So I simply stopped by to say, let's remember in this life, as we're living it day to day, to give an offering, to give praise, to give glory, to stop, drop, and roll up at the feet of Jesus and say thank you. Day and night, thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. God takes note. He documents it. He says, where are the other nine? I would hate to know that after living all these days, God is questioning, where was the praise? Where's your offering of thanksgiving? Where is your offering of gratefulness? Where is your offering of gratitude? Jason, all the things I did for you, why didn't you stop, turn, and come to me and say thank you? So as you watch these horrific displays of heartlessness displayed in the land of the free and the home of the brave, let's not forget where we come from. Let's not forget that not one person here, other than those who you've pushed to reservations, came here or was here from the very beginning. Everyone crossed over some water. Everyone came as an immigrant. Doesn't matter what you think you're entitled to. You know better than anyone else. Those other nine were no better than that Samaritan. As a matter of fact, they were worse. There's a sense of entitlement. Ask for mercy, but don't say thank you. Let's be careful. Stop thinking of ourselves up here and others down here. Only God is above us. And even he reduced himself to one of us to meet us where we are, to get us where we ought to be. What an awesome God we serve. He deserves a good offering to be returned unto him of praise, sacrifice, thanksgiving, gratitude. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. Thank you for your word, dear Lord. We appreciate, dear Father, that you are a God who takes time and you, you wait for us, dear Lord. You spend time on the border, patrolling, dear Lord, the border, making your journey through the border, making sure, dear God, that your children who need you, dear Father, can find you. You're such an awesome God that even today, dear God, as you're, you're spending time and you're going to come again and you're going to come back and get us, dear Lord, you spend time patrolling the border with the power of your Holy Spirit, dear God, letting individuals know you still have healing power. We thank you for that, dear Jesus. I'm asking you, dear Lord, to visit the borders right now. Oh, Jesus. 
there are those who need you. Those who are crying out, Master, have mercy on us. And I'm begging, dear God, that you will pour out your mercy upon them. Lord, may we never think ourselves higher, dear Lord, than anyone else. May we never, dear Lord, think that we are better or look down our noses, dear Lord, to others. May we all recognize and know we all need to fall at the same feet of Jesus. I'm begging you, dear Lord, even now, help us to remember our offering. Lord, help us to come unto you, dear Lord, not begrudgingly, dear Lord, not reluctantly, but gladly. Help us, dear Father, to give back to you what is rightfully yours, our very lives, our hearts, dear Lord. Father, I look forward to the day when we can say, what happened to the old earth? It has all passed away. We are now living in the new earth. The former things are gone. Lord, I beg you, even now, prepare us, O oh God, for the new earth, new heaven, and new life with you. I beg you, dear Jesus, be with us. New York, dear Lord, has nothing on your new heaven. New York, dear Lord, has nothing on your new earth. There's nothing, dear God, that is quite like you. A new Jerusalem for your children. Save us, I beg you. We love you. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. God bless you all.